talking points from the 2024 divisional round of the playoffs in association with our partner Quinbet. It's arguably the most anticipated and indeed enjoyable weekend of the NFL season and it did not disappoint. So just to sum up, on Saturday the Ravens surged past a game but ultimately overmatched Texans team. Later that night the 49ers rode their luck and somehow got off the ropes against the Packers to earn the right to host the NFC Championship game in Santa Clara. On Sunday the Lions forced a Baker Mayfield turnover to finally finish off the books and in the early hours of Monday morning the Chiefs delivered a first playoff win of the Mahomes era on the road at the expense of the Bills. Why did it have to be the Bills? Poor old Buffalo. We'll get there and to all of those talking points. But before we do, um, let's just get to some of the latest NFL news as the 28 teams that uh, have no longer got a remaining interest in this season are handling their off-field business and they're doing it at pace. Brian, it looks like the Bears have found themselves a new offensive coordinator. Shane Waldron, ex of the Seattle Seahawks, reported to be the man who's inter- uh, emerged from that uh, quite lengthy interview process. They got on the road early, to be fair to them, and they seem to have lined their man up. And, and a man who was in demand uh, this this interviewing offseason. Yeah, it, I would say it came on a left wing, but I suppose the nature of who they'd been scouting and, and obviously interviewing, it was obviously looked like they were going to go for a young, dynamic offensive coordinator. The interesting piece I took from it today was if you read some of the frustration which Seattle fans have had, they're very kind of similar to what. Bears fans have had with Getsy over the past over the course of the last year, but you would say that Geno Smith has career has kind of evolved again. Not necessarily maybe this year as much as it was last year when he was under no pressure and he, he turned it around. Geno so. Smith came out of nowhere and went to the Pro Bowl last year. That's the that's the pro the pro Waldron case. Is that the measuring stick these days? There's loads of players not making the Pro Bowl. They should be in the Pro Bowl. We've had this disgruntlement over the past few weeks, but he did, in fairness, so with all due respect to. Is go in there and obviously take on that role when there was pressure on after the Russell Wilson situation and they've had a I suppose a fruitful two years maybe not necessarily as, as productive this year but it's an interesting hire like it's hot in the heels now defensive coordinator seems to be the next one and again it looks like a few young and up and coming coaches are going to go in and be measured up for that role as well then it'd be interesting to see what comes of it because ultimately it looks like he will be taking out a brand new quarterback come April that's my interpretation of what's happened over the course of the last week we have McKessie moving on and it looks like in, in the particular the, the press conference I think they're saying all the right things but Justin Fields to try for me drive up a bargain a bargain chip for people to come after but ultimately I think he'll in line with, with a new quarterback come in April in the back end of April with the draft Not completely and as we were saying last week I, I think the very fact that they interviewed um, Cliff Kingsbury and looked to be getting the download on, on Caleb Williams as part of that and not, not uh, to your point Colm uh, wasting the opportunity of the interview process. Oh, sure, we'll get him in the room and dangle a card of a job while we pick his brains and see how we're going to use the guy that we plan to draft with the number one overall pick. Um, m- my read on that, Brian, with Waldron is the Luke Getzey thing, guy with no play calling experience is always a risk as OC. Now, the case uh, that you would put to, to, to the uh, the alternative on that is Bobby Slowick. Uh, obviously, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't have play calling experience and uh, lit it up with CJ Stroud at, at the Texans this year, so it can be done. Um, on the other hand, I don't know if the Bears were going to recruit a an up-and-coming defensive coordinator. Do they also want an OC who doesn't have play calling experience? You can lean on Eberflus on the defensive side of the ball, so that kind of takes care of itself on the offensive side of the ball. I think they wanted somebody that they know uh, can actually call a game. and um, That was one of the big frustrations with, with Getty. It was not necessarily that the scheme was necessarily wrong. It was just the play calling was inconsistent and uh, and up and down. So that that's my read there. Colm, um, Matt Patricia's back on the market. His time with the Eagles has come to an end. 
and uh, like the old Star Wars meme, not 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 short enough your reign was, as as Yoda might say. Uh, as far as some Eagles fans are concerned, although that might be slightly unfair to Matt Patricia because it wasn't exactly going swimmingly before then. And um, Ron Rivera now being linked with that uh, vacant defensive coordinator job with Sean Desai going under the bus, according to ESPN. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, you're saying uh, not not fair. He went into a bad situation, though, Conor, and he somehow made it infinitely worse. Uh, you know, it, it's like Futurama. Great news, everyone, uh, is what Hickey Seriani announced uh, as Matt Patricia. Um, he truly the angel of death. Uh, no situation so so bad that Matt Patricia showing up can't make it, not make you feel worse about things. Um, he, I don't understand what you know his like re- redeeming qualities are. Nobody has a nice word to say about him. Um, you know they there were when he joined the Eagles last year. There were probably three or four Eagles players who'd taken. Well- Maybe, and here's here's my crazy theory, Colin. Maybe the Matt Patricia thing is, right, where you know the thing is going in a bad direction. You bring Patricia in, get it to rock bottom quickly, and then you hope for the upswing. Wasn't it getting him out of the building to turn things around in Detroit? Maybe that's that's it. Um, maybe that's what Phil Belichick was hoping by bringing him back in. Um, there's probably a whole show that you could do on Head coach, aging head coaches or, or head coaches have been in situ a while making a bad decision. Andy Reid did something similar, um, which essentially led to the end of his time in, in Philly. Um, the Ron Rivera stuff, I that's an interesting one. Um, to me, that that smells of somebody who, like, basically the owners have kind of gone. We want somebody else in the in there who if if Sirianni if they decide to move on after six games next year or somebody who has some experience um that they'll just kind of block in there uh, I it makes it makes no real sense Ron is not he he's a lovely man we've had the good fortune to talk to him um but is he really creating these defensive schemes that you you know are are cutting edge like we we've seen the Washington defense uh, over the the past few few years, spare me the cutting edge defense. You put a hat in a hat, you take a guy down. That's all that counts. I I just think um, I think there are going to be next year a litany of lame duck um, coaches in um, in and around the the league. I think Nick Sirianni is one of those, and I think this speaks a little bit uh, to that. Sean McDermott, maybe we 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 shall get there. We'll have that conversation. Brian, um, suggestions that Bill Belichick might not actually be the shoe in for the for the Falcons job. Um, they've gone for additional interviews, including Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and even in the last half an hour before we kicked off, they've also regretted now to interview the Ravens defense corner and McDonald to go down there and have it an interview. They're certainly uh, reaching out to a number of people, which. It's, he, he's like not that he was a, a not a hot name coming into this process, but like the Texans did not have a single possession inside the red zone in that playoff game. Like that's some job, and that one explosive play beyond twenty five yards of an even though game, he literally sniffed out any opportunity. They couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't do anything else thereafter. But I know we're going to come to that. But yeah, he's a hot commodity now. Essentially, it looks like he's going to get some opportunity. But the Falcons, it's kind of for me, it's kind of. Moved, moved away from Belichick slightly in the sense of last week there was the initial meeting then there was a the second meeting and everybody was kind of reporting on all various different podcasts it was, it was a done deal and 
you know, they were going down there essentially to tie up the loose ends of who's going to be on his coaching staff, but it's all kind of moved away slightly. But yeah, an, an interesting nugget that came out today was nobody else has reached out for an interview with Bill Belichick. You know, is, is that because essentially they all know he's getting the Falcons job or because maybe the Belichick that we love and remember from his great days of the Patriots may not necessarily be the one that everybody wants and, and people are kind of shying away from giving him an opportunity to the interview. It's it's an interesting one. I think ultimately what will, will happen is he'll get the job because I think may, may, others may want to go elsewhere, including Harbour. I think Harbour's heart is set on that Chargers job, but ultimately he's going to play the bargaining tool and go around the houses until he, he gets the offer which he wants. Or Belichick decides he doesn't what, like any of the offers that are out there. Stay with me now. Broadcasting contract with Fox. Bring him and Brady back together again. Put them up against the Manning cast. Well, there is an art about there that he'll take a year off, and because he because he wants a because he he has a, he sees a bigger picture to what he's initially talking about there. That there's a lot of lame ducks for next season, and there might be some more plausible jobs that he's after that will be available come next year, and he will sit tight for a year and get the role in which he'd want. And that's not against the realms of possibility. We saw that last year with Sean Payton, or did we? There's a what role job he took, but no, he took a year out, came back coaching. There is also a conversation that Belichick might consider doing that as well. Interesting. Yeah, well, and, look, and we heard Peter King on Sky at the weekend talking about how that Shula record is, is all important. He, want, he wants that record, you know, doing it somewhere like Carolina might take a long time at the pace. You'd have to go there to, to accumulate the wins necessary to do it. Never mind. Um, uh, another Lombardi without Tom Brady as we've already talked about before uh, and speaking of Peter King if you read this week's edition of Football Morning in America which you'll find on the Pro Football Talk section of the NBC Sports website uh, you'll know the Chiefs coach Andy Reid in his pre-game notes had identified critical plays on the O-line and D-line in the fourth quarter and ball security in the freezing weather as the two areas where the game would be won and lost that's the kind of insight we're looking forward to hearing uh, from Peter when he joins us on March 28th in Buskers in the ball, on the Ball in Dublin's Temple Bar. That's an association with our partners, Rupoint, Quinbet and the Erlingus College Football Classic. Limited number tickets still available. You can find the link through our social channels at IRNFL on X, that's IRENFL, and IRENFL Show on Instagram. So, Colm, how did the Chiefs become the only road team and the only underdog to win in the divisional round? Because... To be fair to Coach Reed, those did turn out to be crucial variables, among many others, in uh, an instant classic of a game. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. He he's the best player in the league. He's he's ridiculous. Like everything he does, I mean, it gets talked about constantly. The the fact that his ability, but also like his scrambling ability, and the fact that he doesn't appear to run. He's always fast enough, and you hear it. And then it, every time you see it, I'm still amazed by it, right? Because if, if he needs four yards, he gets five. If he needs 13 yards, he gets 14. It's always the way. He is I mean, if, so if, if there's a guy in his way, the pump fake, when he's clearly about three yards past the line of scrimmage and he still fakes out Rasul Douglas. And, and just that, that ability, like what we are seeing, I suppose, in the playoffs um, at the moment is... The ability to not take sacks is so, so important. And you saw that with Mahomes, you saw that with Allen, you saw that um, Lamar. You know, uh, with Lamar in the second half. The second right? half. Lamar, Lamar learned uh, a, val- a valuable lesson and, and we'll, we'll get to that. But the top guys, you, you cannot ta- take sacks. Um, it, it puts you behind. 
But Mahomes, again, there have been frustrations this year. It's the worst group he's had to work with for sure. Um, but they're there. And um, it's because of him. And it, it, he, he, he raises all those around him. He, he, you know, he holds them to the standard. And they're in their sixth uh, straight AFC championship. I mean, only Brady and Belichick uh, are above them. Um, and the the other piece is obviously um, the the defense. Like they were going up against Josh Allen, who um, you know I I'll probably touch on it more, and maybe I can co- come back to it. I I'm massive. I Mahomes is the best player in the the league. Josh Allen to me is the most entertaining, and Lamar is the most dangerous. They they were well, able. I, I to think sometimes, Colin, you know, you see. Well, it's not just sometimes. It's a lot of the time in sports, you really see who somebody is when the tide goes out like you know they didn't lose that game because of Josh Allen he was the only thing keeping the minute and oh yeah he, he is amazing and and it's, it's horrible to see a guy lose a game like that in those circumstances you know when you see the caliber of, of man he is and the caliber of player he is when it wasn't going right like every, he did everything he could to try and turn it back in their direction oh yeah he, he absolutely puts the the team on, on his back and, and you would have um seen again I am um, the in Peter King's column, he talked about like Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, as Tra- Travis is running to to get the golf cart to go up to to Taylor in the in the suite, and he said like you know the these games, I mean it's Josh uh, versus Patty as he he calls him, um, I, I mean that's what it, that's what it is. But Mahomes just he he is sensational. His vision, his escapability. Every, is everything about him. He makes his ability to get Marquez Valdez scantling catch balls. Yeah, yes. <laughs> there's, yes. There's loads of Packers fans. Like, you know, we'll get to the Packers, obviously, um, and, and their own playoff exit, unfortunate though, the way they've been. But, like, I'm sure whatever about Saturday night, on Sunday night, they were banging their heads going, this this guy, this guy is catching clutch clutch balls now. What, 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 what witchcraft have you have you performed on Marquez Valdez scantling to get him to do the one thing he could never do in Green Bay? Yeah, and I mean the thing is, throughout the season, the Chiefs haven't been fantastic. It is not a vintage Chiefs team, but they're still there, and the defense is is very impressive. And yes, Baltimore will probably touch on our our favorites, but no, no, you know they're not going to enjoy having to face up against this uh, Chiefs team and against Spags. Brian, um, maybe maybe a word on that Chiefs defense before we we, we move on to the Bills because there's plenty to discuss there as well. But you know, we we talked about Spag's ability to 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 confuse people and and what they've done all season long and how they've had to lean on the defense and how we thought they might have to lean on them in 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 this game, which they did, but maybe not in the way that we we thought that they would because they were getting shredded for a lot of this game, particularly in in the run game, but. <laughs> When it really mattered, they got a couple of critical red zone stops and they stepped up just when they needed to and they did just enough at just the right time and showed just enough flexibility to get to grips with what was going wrong and stop taking on water. And that, you know, and Mahomes joked about it after the game. How he told the defense, you just step up and we'll win this game. Yeah, I was reading a piece today on Spagnone. He said in one of the aftermath interviews that he recognized it wasn't a night for the, for the defense to be able to stop the rules. So he started refocusing on where they essentially could stop the Bills, and that was to shut them down as best they could with the passing game. And they didn't give up any. Like, when you compare the passing which Mahomes had and with Josh Allen in terms of the long marquee plays, I mean, the Chiefs only had five tour downs in the entirety of the game because they were getting not, they were getting those big end 
players early on. Like the Bills, by and large, didn't really have many big plays. I know there was a few towards the end of the game, the fourth quarter, when they essentially dialed them up twice and, and they weren't complete. But by and large, the, the coverage. That pass to, to MVS that we just talked about, was, which was a 30-yard pass, I believe, was the, was the longest play from scrimmage in the entire game. And is that the second one or the first one? Because people were footing little memes last night. Second. Yeah, the second one. What was more impressive about the second one, and Colin was rightly called it now, it's the nature of how he was able to um, evolve himself in the pocket and make the play happen. I talked to one earlier on, the very, I think it was the opening play of the second half, the one when he goes over the shoulder to Scotland, was, was very impressive as well. And yeah. um, But as you say, it's the one where he kind of sidesteps and has to reset his platform and then slings it like with the arm three quarters. I don't know how he even does that. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I thought the offensive line in particular as well. I know we're gonna we're we're taking away from the defensive chiefs, but the offensive line of the Chiefs needs to be called out. And like when I don't believe to be going up against a murky from seven and the Bills, people are suggesting this Bills defense has been great and it's one of the upper edge challenges of the season. I don't think we've seen it over the course of the last five to six weeks. To be honest, run certainly wasn't down to the defense. You called it there, it's more about Josh Allen and his his play. But overall, like and you just saw it there as well, kind of the critical time in the game is okay, we're We've allowed you to go down and drive, and we're into critical stages of, of a game. This is a, a turning point in a season, obvious perhaps. Can we withstand it? Because even taking away from the pass and then miss field goal, if they make that field goal, there's two eleven left on the clock and Chiefs have two timeouts, and the nature of how that game is gone, you genuinely would believe that Chiefs would drive down and put themselves in a position with you know, a great kicker like Harrison Butker to go and kick a game winning field goal. Obviously didn't transpire that way. This defense stood up again, and that's what we said on the show. And I didn't think it'd be high score. See the, the stat on the screen: Butker is thirty-one of thirty-four on field goals made when the temperature is below zero. But this is it. You've got these players, like crucial players, that can make. You know, we're talking about old Jersey, Marquee players, and special teams that can make it. Like Pacheco was fantastic throughout the course of the game, I thought. And yet, when they really need that force down, he, he gets it at the end. I want to. I want to call on Andy Reid because Andy is a great coach, but. We always see coaches when a player fumbles in the game. Okay, I don't really trust him again to make it, make it, make a, a play for me. I'll leave him alone for a night. His head is gone. Hardman fumbled on his opening catch of the game. They were they managed to recover it. The second play of the game, it's not necessarily a fumble when it is a fumble, but in nature of the rules, he's obviously stretching out trying to get it into the end zone. But I was surprised because that was an opportunity to kill the game off. The fake punt, and we might come to that now in terms of that particular play call. But where they were in the, in, and the way Pacheco was running, to me that was like, give the ball to Pacheco and let him, let him drive this in, puts the game away, they blew up by two scores and he, call, he calls a play for Harmon, which really surprised me, Brandon, when he'd already fumbled in the game. But um, I'd love to hear the thoughts on the fake punt, if that's where you want to go next. Uh, yeah, Colin, absolutely. Because you know, there's no point rubbing salt in Buffalo's wounds on, on, on wide right and revisiting Scott Norwood and all that and, and poor L. Tyler Bass. I really feel for him, but let's talk Sean McDermott and that play call because I, mean, I don't think I've ever been watching the game before and it being so blatant that they're they're going to run they're going to call a fake punt here I mean this is the most critical play of the entire season your season's on the line and you're going to rely on your special teams the team's glaring weakness in Buffalo rather than leave the ball in the hands of your all-world quarterback Josh Allen it's a terrible terrible play call and you know if you talk about the football gods hating Buffalo don't do things that that are going to make the footballing gods hate you even more. Yeah, it was I, I, it was a poor decision. Um, and it, to me, the fact everybody knew it was coming, except apparently Demar Hamlet, because when he actually got the ball in his hand, it, it was he just looked absolutely lost. Um, 
and it was kind of like uh, something you, you'd expect in, in South Park or something like that, where there's this big crescendo music and it's going to be the Disney-esque finish, finish. And the man who came back to life is getting them all on fourth down and he's going to and then smack. It's like uh, Final Destination where the bus comes and it takes to our Hamlet again. Um, yeah, I, it, it was poor, but it's not the only poor decision, you know, that ultimately uh, has happened. And the look, the, uh, my concern is you have Josh Allen and you only get, you know, there are only so many years of Josh Allen, particularly elite Josh Allen. I, I don't think we're, we're not talking about, I don't believe, a Tom Brady-esque career with the style in which Josh Allen plays football. Um and, and and your cap hit multiplies next year. Josh Allen is his salary is weighing heavily, more heavily and heavily on that on that roster every single year. As as other players age and have to be replaced, the Jordan Poyers, the Micah Hyde's, they're not going to be around forever either. It's not getting no. I mean, yeah, no. Th- this is a group that really kind of came together. Um, the basis of it in twenty eighteen, um, and and they have done an awful lot to keep it together, kind of ever since then. But it's the law of diminishing returns since 2020. They, they went to the, the championship game uh, in 2020 and then divisional round, divisional round, divisional round. And, you know, is is that enough? Are, are you are you happy to just keep trying to, to run it back? Because um, ultimately they made the change uh, with, you know, during the season in, in terms of the OC. But it, it was the Josh Allen show. And it's been the Josh Allen show every single year. And you it doesn't feel like they've done a huge amount to help him. Um and you know, the the digs thing, like we saw towards the end of last the the end of last year and then the stuff over the summer. But Diggs has not been a real part of this offense this season. Oh, absolute flat track bully. Like he can do all the talking he wants. He had the play that, that could have saved the game for the Bills. He didn't make yeah, and it, but it's not just that. It's it's over no. the course of the entire season as well. Like they've been, he just hasn't been WR1 um, when, when they have needed him uh, to to be that. I I just, I don't know how many times you can go to the well. Like first in the ASCs, first in the ASCs, first in the ASCs, first in the ASCs. And you just, you, you can't get to the Super Bowl. I think it might be even different if you were in the Super Bowl, but you're not. And and you keep running in to the same issues again and again and again, the playoffs. And in some ways, you know, you had an artificially easy run this year because you know Joe Burrow, so the Bengals are out of the race. So you end up with the with the Steelers in the wildcard round. That wasn't the most difficult obstacle to negotiate. Uh, you also caught a break because Aaron Rodgers got injured after four snaps in New York. So you didn't have to navigate past that. Uh, in the East, albeit that you know you had the you had the Dolphins who had a fine season in in, in and of them themselves, but yeah, it's 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 only going to get more difficult from 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 here for uh, for the Bills, and you would wonder um, whether whether McDermott is actually the man to get them over the line. Forty nine million in debt cap at the minute. I know, obviously, they'll readjust and do whatever they have to do. do um, I suppose their own internal analysis of players and their season and how productive they were before we managed from free agency, but doesn't give them a lot of leg room, you would think. And essentially, you'd, you'd imagine they'd have to try to rebuild certain holes through, through the draft as opposed to being really active in, in free agency. But there's probably a few players there that are on ex- expansive contracts that they can either 
make hard decisions on or, or try to kick the can down the road with contracts. But right now, if you go on to over the cap.com, it's 49 million in a hole, and that, that doesn't bode well. But then, went the books in, in 80 million in a hole, and they made the, the initial round as well this year. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a bad season, but still sounds like a lot of work to be done. Does indeed. And that brings us to the end of our first segment of Divisional Round Talking Points. But when we start our second segment,